Good morning. How's everybody doing? I was sitting here waiting for the, 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 the sermon intro to play. And I keep looking back and, and looking at Mark, looking, and, and then it hits me, there's no projector screen back there. I don't, I'm losing my mind. Hey, we are in our Summer of the Mount series, and uh, this week and next week, we're going to be focusing on prayer. This week, uh, I will be jumping into uh, Matthew 6, 5 through 8, and you can go ahead and turn there if you want, and then next week, Derek will speak on the Lord's Prayer, which is Matthew 6, 9 through 13. And so uh, I'm going to speak briefly today because we want to set some time apart in our service to pray corporately. Um, and so we're going to do that here shortly. So I'm going I'm I'm to read quickly and, and speak quickly. So hopefully you can follow me. So if you want to jump in to Matthew 6, starting in verse Matthew 6, starting in verse 5, and I'll be reading out of the CSB today. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask. Let's pray. Lord, I, uh, I thank you for the privilege to stand up here and do my best to break down this sermon that you preached so many years ago. Pray that I do it accurately. And it's heard correctly. In Jesus' name, amen. So, really briefly, I got, I got 12 to 15 minutes. And I'm going to unpack five truths from these four verses. Five truths. Usually it takes me 12 to 15 minutes to do my introduction. So we'll see if I am able to do this. And the five truths that I want to unpack is prayer is a privilege. Prayer is for God's glory. Prayer brings godly reward. Prayer must be genuine. And prayer teaches us to trust God. So the first point, prayer is a privilege. In verse 5, Jesus says, when you pray, just like he said, when you give to the needy and when you fast. These are spiritual disciplines that we are expected to do. They're not optional. So, so when, when we pray. And so let's, let me give a simple definition of prayer for us really quickly. Uh, prayer simply is communicating a message to God. Communicating a message to God. It's not just talking, because sometimes when we don't have words, we're told in Romans that, that the Spirit utters and groans, right, when we don't even have words. So it's communicating a message to God. And, and it's us speaking or talking or communicating a message to God. When God talks back to us, uh, those are called different things. That's not necessarily prayer. Prayer is when we communicate to God. And so prayer is a privilege because as Christians, we recognize the privilege to, to talk to God, to petition to God, to be in a growing relationship with God, a God who loves us enough to give us his attention when we call out to him, this relationship that allows us to, to talk to him and he listens to us. It's not something that, that everyone has, and nor is it something that we deserve. 
nor is it something that we deserve because God, the creator of the universe, who made us from dust and he breathed life into man, he is God the Almighty who was betrayed by his own creation. He was rejected by man for instant pleasure. That's why Adam rejected him, for instant pleasure. He is God the patient who has been seen by, who has uh, been sinned against by every single human, who every single person has chose to walk away from him. Me and you, we've chose not to believe in him. We've, we've chose to reject him at a time, to sin against him. And yet he is God the Father who gave his son to bear the punishment for our sins. So through faith in Jesus, we can now experience innocence and forgiveness. And he is God the Sovereign who is working to bring everything broken in this world back into relationship with him. And he is God the Spirit who fills us and equips us to be part of his purpose and his plan through him. It is a privilege to have the attention of this God. And when we enter into prayer with faith, knowing that the God of everything and everyone is actually listening to us, and not only listening, but he's sitting there waiting to respond, waiting to answer our petitions, it is a privilege. And this is why all prayer should first and foremost be praise-giving. Derek's going to talk about this next week when Jesus gives an example of how to pray. The first thing we do is we honor God. How it be thy name. And so when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corner to be seen by people. I apologize about this, guys. Present and have his attention to instead get the attention of man to be seen by other people. If you use this privilege for personal status or to make yourself feel better about the way you live your life, Jesus is saying you're a hypocrite because you are diverting prayer from the glory of God to the glory of self. Second point prayer is for God's glory. Prayer is for God's glory. We have been seeing over and over in the Sermon on the Mount that, that true righteousness is not self-seeking. True righteousness is not being concerned with personal status. True righteousness is not being concerned with personal gain. It's not being concerned with building an earthly wealth or temporary happiness, but instead it is seeking God's kingdom, God's purpose, desiring eternal happiness, desiring God's glory. As someone who almost every Sunday, let's try this out, because I just can't sit still. I just move all the time. The mic doesn't like it. As someone who has to stand up here every Sunday in front of you guys and, and pray and, uh, and give announcements and, and sometimes preach, uh, I find it very difficult to make sure that my desire is not self-seeking. Right, just being real. I find it very difficult to make sure that, that my desire is focused on glorifying God. I find it hard to balance me wanting to communicate well, do a good job, not sound like an idiot, right? Not be overly concerned with how I'm perceived also. And make sure that you are more impressed with God than with me. And, and some of you might be like, Matt, that's easy. Don't worry about that. Did somebody just say amen? I heard it. <laughs> sure. Uh, look, I constantly find myself fighting the desire to seek affirmation. 
and I talk to uh, other people that, that speak publicly. I, I know that some of the other preachers, they feel the same. Man, I, I get done preaching, and like I'm like waiting for a text. Someone text me. Someone tell me I did a good job. Someone affirm me, affirm my abilities, right? It's very difficult to be in a role where you need to constantly be wanting to make sure God is the one glorified and yet still want to do a good job. I still want to do a good job. I just don't want it to be me. I constantly have to pray, Lord, Lord, let, let myself be genuine, Lord. Let me not be scared to say something for how I'll be perceived, Lord. Or let me care about pleasing you, more about caring my, pleasing myself, Lord. And this also, it goes the other way. Maybe, maybe you're not someone who, who serves publicly. Maybe this isn't where you find yourself serving in church. And, and so maybe, maybe that's not your particular struggle. Maybe instead, though, maybe instead you find yourself scared to publicly pray out loud. Right? Maybe, 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 maybe it's the opposite. Maybe when you're with your extended family for dinner, you don't want to pray publicly. You don't want to bless the food because you're scared of how or, or what they'll think of you. You're scared that you will be judged. See, Jesus is not against public prayer in the scripture. He prays publicly a number of times. But instead, he's emphasizing that prayer is for God's glory. Therefore, our focus should be on pleasing him. Church, if our concern is on what others see or even don't see, opposed to what God sees, Jesus is saying we're being hypocrites. And so, if your walk with the Lord, the way you live out your Christian life, whether that's coming to church on Sunday or tithing, or whether you raise your hands during worship or don't raise your hands during worship, no matter how spiritual the act, right, if you're doing them, if what you do is dictated by what others think, then the only reward you're going to get is what others think. That's it. That's all you get. If your desire is man's affection, your reward is man's affection. If your desire is God's affection, your desire is God's affection. In verse 6, he says, when you pray, go into your private room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father will reward you. Third truth, prayer brings godly reward. Prayer brings godly reward. Don't be misunderstood what Jesus is saying here. It's not the act of being alone that earns the reward, but, but when you are willing to go to God, when there is no one to impress, when there is no one around, only because you believe God to be who he says he is. This is the ultimate act of faith, and God rewards faith. God rewards faith. I believe I've told this story before, but when I first came to uh, Bethany Global University, which is, which is the college that we are next to, um, my only adult Christian life had been in rehabs, either, either uh, attending them or serving in them. And so I come to a missionary college, and I, and I feel very out of place, very out of place. I was still immature spiritually. Um, culturally, I was very different being from the South. I, I am more direct, and, and there's a different culture up here in Minnesota. And so I spent much of the first year pacing the gym about three times a week talking to God by myself, just going to God. And sometimes there's a lot of yelling involved, maybe, maybe even some cussing. I don't know. Nobody was there to, to prove it, though. Yelling at God, trying to understand, why am I here? What's wrong with me? 
Why did I do the things I did in my past? And I remember about a year, about a year into this, at one point he just, he showed up and I just heard him very clearly affirm that he was my father, I was his son, that I am forgiven and I'm exactly where I need to be. And, and that, was, that was actually a life defining moment for me because then I was able to start walking out in confidence that I did not have before. Right? There, was a, there was an insecurity about who I was and, and where I was, and, and, God, and God took that insecurity away from me. Because when we seek God's provision, He provides it. When we seek God's provision, He provides it. But you see, it's not just about being alone with God. It wasn't just because I would go to the gym and be alone with God. But it's because my prayer was genuine. Jesus says in verse 7, When you pray, do not babble like the Gentiles, since they, they, they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask. Fourth truth, prayer must be genuine. Prayer must be genuine. There are no magical phrases. We don't hold any special type of power that forces God into action. But instead, God wants, to, wants us to be genuine in our prayer with him. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but bring everything to God with thanksgiving. I don't know about you, but I have prayed uh, many times, many times where I've just rambled empty words. Right? Maybe you've done this. Maybe you've just woke up in the morning. and you know, oh, I'm obligated to pray, and God bless my day. Thank you, it's sunny. And then you go on about your day. You're just rambling. Just empty words. Opposed to slowing down and bringing your true needs to God. God is not interested in empty talk. And I feel like Jesus is saying, hey, hey, don't waste God's time. Don't waste God's time here. Fifth truth, prayer teaches us to trust God. Prayer teaches us to trust God. Because God already knows what you really need. Right? Verse 8, your father knows the things you need before you ask them. Right? God is all-knowing. He knows our thoughts. He knows our motives. He knows our actions. Even before we do, God is not limited in his knowledge. God is not learning. God is not changing. God is not adapting. Instead, God is waiting and God is knowing. And since God already knows what we don't, prayer forces us to put our trust in him. Forces us to go to him and see his response. And the more that we go to God and the more that he responds, the more that we learn we can trust him. Sam Storm says, we must not presume that God will provide for us apart from our prayers what he has ordained to provide for us only through our prayers. Our petitions are the means by which God has purposed to give us what he already knows we need. God designed prayer so we could learn to trust him. God designed prayer so we can learn to trust him. And so I would like to go into a time of, of corporate prayer. And, and as we do, I, I want us to, to think about these five points that, that prayer is a privilege. Let's not just take it for granted that we have the sovereign God of the creator who will listen and respond to us. Let's remember that, that in our prayer, our desire is to bring God glory. And let's trust God that, that God will reward us. That God knows what we need and he wants to respond. He wants to reward us. 
if our prayer is genuine. So let's let our prayer be genuine. Let's not enter in with empty words, but instead let's dive in with deep conversation and let it teach us to, to trust God. Let's, let's grow in our faith of the Lord by watching him respond to our petitions. And so we're going to have uh, three different sections of, of corporate prayer today. Um, and a couple of them will actually invite you to pray. And if we get to one of those sections where um, the person up here invites you to pray, if you see anybody by themselves, I just want to I just want to invite you to go 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 pray with them. Let's not let's not leave anybody out here when we jump into to corporate prayer. And so at this time, I'd like to invite Doug Goodmanson to come up. Doug uh, serves alongside me on the oversight team. He's also on the finance team. His wife Ashley uh, is on the women's team. Doug's been a, a, a tremendous support to, to me and the rest of the oversight team. And just we're really excited. We've been working through a lot of stuff we're going to be launching out in the fall. And I'm just very thankful for him. And he's going to lead us on a section uh, of just praying specifically for Bethany Church. Thanks, man. I just really feel uh, your message is impressing. Just the, here we have the creator of, of heaven and earth, who is the beginning and the end. And he's just waiting for us, right? So let's, 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 uh, let's pray. I'm going to be praying for Bethany Church. I'm going to be asking God for his kingdom. I'm going to declare his headship, ask for healing and restoration for anyone who needs it, and then praying for the good works that he's prepared us for and to advance them, okay? So I'm actually going to pray the whole time, and I'm asking for you guys to agree with me. So we're praying together, but I'm the one declaring it. And so I just invite you guys to agree. Father, we thank you for your completed work on the cross, through the death of your son, his magnificent resurrection, the indwelling gift of your Holy Spirit, your redemptive work in our hearts, and the victorious life we can now walk in. Lord, I declare your word in Ephesians chapter 1, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. Father, in your power, I lift Bethany Church to you today. We ask that you would continue to move in the minds and the hearts of our congregation, your body, over which you are the head. You are the head of Bethany Church. Father, we lift up all who are sick or in need of your grace today. For all those who have been suffering from sickness, from loss, from a condition, from an injury, Lord, we declare life and restoration over their bodies. In Jesus' name, we ask that you render strength into each and every person here. Lord, lift up the countenance of the downcast and weary souls. Lord, restore endurance and hope where hopelessness has taken over. Lord, you are the hope. Father, we ask that you would, by your gentle grace and correction, restore everyone in Bethany who has stumbled in their walk, who has continued in a way of sin without repentance, or has been captive to sin without a way out. Father, we ask that you would break off every chain of bondage, loose every evil yoke, and cancel every ensnaring habit. At the foot of the cross, we declare independence today from sin and dependence upon you. And Lord, we... We thank you for the sacrificial and victorious history of Bethany Church, for the lifestyle and commitment of our founders. We ask that you continue that good work in us today and take us further than they could have gone in adoration of you and proclamation of your word to the world. Lord, we lift up our ministries and laborers in Bethany Church, our volunteers, our ministry team leaders, staff and oversight team members, 
Lord, continue to draw us to you, to your purposes, that our efforts would not be in vain. Lord, we ask that you would continue to empower us to declare the good news of your kingdom here and abroad, faithfully stewarding your church with sober-mindedness and joy. We lift up the unique works that you've drawn us into, your endless love and desire for the orphans. Father, we lift up the tremendous sacrifice in heart so many families in our church have made to foster and adopt. Lord, we ask that you continue to enable us as a church to support these families with strength, knit us together in your love for them, that they would grow up and testify of your goodness, that they too would walk with you and proclaim your good news to the world, declaring their spiritual adoption to the nations. Expand our work in foster care and adoption, Lord. Enable us to do it well and to bring you glory through this ministry. Father, we ask that freedom would be carried further into the LGBTQ community. We thank you for the continued perseverance of the saints here at Bethany Church who declare your good news to these lovely people. And we ask for a harvest of reconciliation in this community today. Help us to love your children well. Father, we thank you for the unique inroads you've given us into the Somali community here in Minnesota and abroad, especially in Kenya. Father, we ask for your heart to love these people as your people, to learn their ways and to continue to call them to the cross of Christ and invite them into our family. We thank you for the hundreds of men and women who have received a call to full-time ministry and to missions and who have taken your word faithfully all over the earth to declare your good news. Father, continue giving us grace to call and equip further workers for the harvest, for truly the harvest is white and the labor is few. Thank you for the faithful response from our founders to raise up, send, and support workers. We ask today that this pattern would grow yet brighter in our church. We lift up all the workers that we support in the field, Lord, and ask that your hope would abound in their lives and fruitfulness in their ministries. Lord, we thank you for the good work that you have given us with Storehouse Fund and the expanded opportunity to learn to love the poor, the downcast, the refugee, the orphan, and the unreached. Father, we ask that you continue to give us boldness to give our time and resources to partner with you in loving the least of these as part of our lifestyle. We lift up the generosity of our members who have sowed sacrificially into this ministry and ask that you continue to advance your work among persecuted believers all over the world, that you would advance our heart for the refugees settling in America and those struggling in camps overseas, that you would advance, uh, that you'd grow a greater response in our hearts to the growing epidemic of human trafficking, and that you would advance our partnership with orphanages and disenfranchised children, Lord, that your heart for the poor and downtrodden would grow for us toward our city and beyond. Lord of the harvest, we ask for favor as we continue to press into our mission statement to make disciples, to train and trust new leaders and plant churches. Give us strength and resolve to continue in our efforts. We ask for a faithful and enduring vision to reach the lost. And Father, help us as a church to always be living for the age to come in all that we do, seeking that inheritance, hoping in that great day, being humbled by your covenant to reunite yourself to us in an age of peace and expansion for all of eternity. You, O oh God, are the cornerstone of Bethany Church. Our time, talent, and resources are yours. Use us, whatever you must do, Lord. Prepare us to adore you and enable us to continue in conviction toward good works out of a right heart, that your light would shine brightly in the darkness, that truly we would be marked as a peculiar people. And I pray this over our congregation, 1 Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12.
To this end, we always pray for you that our God may work, may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Doug. At this time, I'd, I'd like to invite Melanie Hurlbutt. Uh, Melanie is a professor at Bethany Global University where she teaches our hermeneutics, Old Testament, intro to missions, probably about 50 other things. Uh, amazing woman. Her and her husband, Rick, have served in Malaysia for many years and oversaw several discipleship schools with YWAM. Uh, we're just uh, really privileged to have her and her husband and her family part of Bethany. And so uh, she's going to share and pray uh, right now for a times of our country and, and really the culture within our country. Thank you. Uh, the National Evangelical Association of Evangelicals asked to uh, churches across the nation to set aside a time to pray today specifically for our nation, specifically around the issues of polarization and these extremes and the antagonism that's coming where it's very difficult to have any sort of dialogue um, around uh, real issues, and, uh, and we're seeing that, of course, uh, in many areas. And so that's what I'm going to pray for uh, today. I'm going to use the Lord's Prayer as a model. Uh, would you mind standing with me as we pray? Um, in this passage, and I know it's going to be taught on next week on the Lord's Prayer, but I, I find it for me very helpful um, just to, it was Jesus' prayer for his nation right, um, uh, as they were dealing with incredible polarization at a specific time as well as the competing visions for what God would do, and, uh, and he was teaching the people to pray for God's vision, and so that's what uh, we're going to do uh, this morning. So please uh, join me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I'm going to pray these line uh, by line uh, and bring specific prayers in between. So our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Father, you are our present help in trouble. You are an ever-present help in time of need. Father, from the time of the Exodus, you revealed your name as the God who is present in our midst to hear our cries and to really uh, come down and rescue from evil. And Father, we recognize even now in our nation that we have a great need for your presence. Father, with this ever-increasing polarization, Father, and, and a, a call to choose sides and to see the others as our enemy, Father, we come before you and we look up and say, Oh God, Father, you alone can unite us. You alone can give us a vision that is bigger than, than the politicization of different groups, Father, greater than different political parties, the them and us, Father, that abounds in our nation. And Father, we are asking that you would come and that you yourself would give us a vision of your kingdom. And Father, that you would be present with us to show us another way. Father, you alone can unite us as one family. And so we ask you to come. 
And Father, we honor your name because it's you that unite us. Father, and it's you as not only the ever-present God who's the source of all of our help and strength, but Father, we call on your name as the God who is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Father, how desperately we need you and the presence of your name to be living amongst us. Father, so come and make it possible for us to walk in mercy like you, to walk in steadfast love and faithfulness like you, compassion. Father, carving a different way between these extremes, Father, we need a way that is your way. And we need you to open up a way because, Father, we confess we haven't seen it yet. Father, we don't know the way. That's the whole point of why we come to pray. And we want to avoid these extremes, Father. We want to avoid the them and us and the making each other enemies and not being able to hear and listen to one another. And Father, we say, help us listen to you. And show us the way that we have not yet seen, God, that leads in a path of righteousness for your name's sake that leads in a path of mercy and compassion and steadfast love. Come, Father, and lead us in your way. Father, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we have so many competing visions of what this nation and our culture should be like. How desperately we need a vision of your kingdom. Father, we, we want to turn from our will and our competing wills. God, that so characterizes America that we ought to all be able to have our own way. Father, and we are asking you for your will to be done in this nation. Father, that you give us a vision of what your kingdom looks like, where real flourishing can take place, Father. Flourishing for all people. You say that you send your reign on the just and the unjust because you are merciful. Father, that's a little glimpse of your kingdom. Father, help us to see what this looks like, Father. And help us to live it out to see your mercy come, Father, and provision for all people here in America. Father, there is so much we need to see take place. And so show us what mercy looks like that is full of truth. Father, show us what kindness looks like, Father, that stands for righteousness and justice. Father, show us what justice looks like, Father, that also enables people to walk out of sin and into new life. So, Father, we're asking in very concrete ways, Lord, that you would help us. Father, we also ask that you come and uh, the idols of the age, Father, that are ensnaring us. Father, your kingdom is one where you are lifted up and exalted. 
And Father, the idols of the age, they are ensnaring us and they're ensnaring our children. And we call on you, Father, to come and be revealed today in our nation. Father, the idols of, of scientism that says that the only things that are real are the things that can be proven through science. Father, we are asking that you would bring this idol down. Father, because we know all that makes life worth living, Father, beauty and truth and love and justice and kindness, those can't be scientifically dissected. And Father, so we ask that you tear down this idol in the age because it's leading our nation and our children astray. Father, idols of, of personal choice and radical individualism that says whatever I decide is right for me is right. Father, these idols of everyone doing what's right in their own eyes, we ask that you would come and tear it down. Father, it's destroying us and it's destroying our children. Father, we pray in this area, Lord, it, it's so impacting, especially, Father, in the whole issues of, of gender today. Father, where sexuality and this other idol of defining ourselves, Lord, is so exalted and is being worshipped and it's destroying our children. Father, we pray for our schools and our school children. Father, who, who are no longer certain who they are. Father, who get confused if they're drawn out, um, out of need or vulnerability towards others of the same gender, God, that they question, am I male, am I female, what am I? Father, it, it is idolatry that is doing this. Father, because the idols of the age devour, but when we worship you, you set us free and you build us up. And so, Father, we ask that you would come and that you would tear down this idol, Father, that our children could know with confidence who they are, who you've created them to be as male and female. And yet, Father, in this whole response to this idolatry, let us move in compassion, Father, and see your kingdom come to bring healing to those who have been devastated by this kind of idolatry. Father, we need you. We need you to expose the idols of the age, Father, and to help us bring them down that our children and that we ourselves, God, could walk in the, the wholeness that you have called us to, the blessing, the goodness, the flourishing that you have called us to. And Father, we ask that you would give us today our daily bread. Father, there are so many across this nation where this is a real struggle for, for bread. Father, and we... We're grateful for those around the nation that have opened food pantries and, and do so much to care for the poor, Father. But we are asking, Lord, that at every level you would come and help us address this issue. Father, that you yourself would be the one to provide. Father, that through your people you give us new and creative ways, Father, to, to not just meet the immediate need for which we are so grateful that you have empowered and enabled many people to do. But, Father, that you would, you would do things in the economy, Father, that would bring real change, that we could start new businesses, Father, that we would meet within families, that there would be new economic opportunities, Father, that our economy would flourish, Father, so that people can work and feed their families. 
Father, that those who have come who have been systemically Father, from poor families, from generation to generation, that this idea of real uplift, being able to move forward and, and make a better life for their children would be genuinely true. Father, this can only come from your kingdom at work in our midst. Father, it doesn't come from us. We're not the source of it. Father, we oppress when left to ourselves. We carve out our own little stake to provide for our family when left to ourselves. But Father, we are asking that you would work in our nation to help bring real change. And again, Father, this polarization of, of which way we're going to go, Father, and how we're going to do it, Father, we, we ask you to open up new ways. Father, that we, your people, would be those who bring real change in our communities, Father, for real economic uplift. That because Christians are there, you would give new ideas for starting businesses, Father. New ways to, to uh, build the economy and build our local economy, Father, so that people would flourish. This is your design, Father, for our, our communities and for our nation. And we are asking, Father, that you would be our help. And Lord, daily bread, we, we need your presence. We need your presence daily, Father. We need wisdom. God, at this day and at this moment, we must have wisdom from you. Father, for every area of our lives, God, for how we conduct our families. Father, for how we live in our work in our businesses, for our friendships, Father, for our schools, for our education system. Father, we need your wisdom and guidance to make a way where there is no way to give us the ability to bring real change and transformation. Father, we pray because it's got to change, Father. There's, we're thankful what, for what's been done in the past, but we are in crisis moments, Father, across our nation. And we need your wisdom, Father, on how to move forward and how to respond rightly. Father, forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. Father, the, the reality is across the nation that we are reaping what we've sown in lots of areas. Father, it is because we have lived a life of debt, Father. Father, debts from, from our previous sins across this nation, Father, in, in whole issues of, of race, Father, that is massive. Father, and we are reaping what we have sown. And we are asking, Father, that you would forgive us our debts, Father. We acknowledge that as a nation we have not always walked in justice, Lord God, towards people of other races, whether it be the Native Americans, whether it be the African Americans, whether it be the Japanese, Father, whether it be other migrants, the Hispanics, Father, there are so many, Lord, that we can look back and see through our history where we have not lived in a way that honors you and honors them. And Father, we're reaping the whirlwind from that. And we ask for mercy, Lord God, that you would come, that you would forgive us our debts because we alone cannot make these things right. Father, we can't repay those injustices. 
So we ask for forgiveness, Father. We ask for your forgiveness that you would come. And Father, that you would not bring us to the time of trial. Father, that the, the, the division and the divisiveness and the aggression that comes from reaping the consequences of these sins, that you save us, not just by forgiving us spiritually, Father, but you forgive us and bring change and deliver us from these consequences. Father, that the nation would not be divided. Father, but that you would come and show us a new way, a new way of living, a new way of embracing, a new way of responding, Father, to all of these communities, to the areas that we have sinned and the people that we have sinned against, Father, that you give us new ways to live, new ways to respond. Father, that as a nation, we can reflect you. So, Father, we ask you to come. Lord, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Before I say amen, if you would just turn to one another and just in small groups of two or three, just take two minutes and to pray specifically for an area where you have seen in your family, your community, your neighborhood, something that God is bringing to mind of this polarization and just ask God to come and to make a new way in the midst of that. So just take a couple of minutes to do that and then we'll close. Okay, guys, we're going to go ahead and transition into our next section. Um, I'd like to go ahead and invite Matt Henley up. Matt Henley has served in our children's ministry for several years. He was on the children's ministry, one of the children's ministry leaders, and he, he teaches regularly to our kids. He's passionate about sword training. Him and his wife, Bonnie, uh, serve with uh, uh, pro-life organizations, ensuring that there'll be a next generation. And so I've asked uh, him to come up and lead us in a time of prayer for the next generation. And, and following uh, this prayer, uh, we'll go right into a time of worship. So if the worship team wants to go ahead and get ready and, uh, and, and feel, free, um, feel free as we go into worship uh, to continue in prayer. And if you see someone that needs prayer or ministry, uh, please go give it to them. And if you're someone who needs it, uh, I'll be up here. You can come to me. I'll, I'd be happy to pray for you. Um, We'll go into a time of worship, and, and we'll extend our time a little bit. We can go to about 25 after today instead of, uh, instead of 15, so don't feel necessarily a, a rush. All right, I'm just going to pray a few scriptures for, for the next generation. Oh, Lord God, who is, who is like you among the gods, majestic in holiness, awesome and glorious deeds, working wonders. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus for the next generation. We ask first and foremost, God, you are our God who delights in justice and, and righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne, God. And we're asking, Father, we're asking for the next generation. We're asking, Father, that there would be an ending of abortion in this nation. Lord God, there must be a reason that the devil doesn't want these children to be born. And we're asking, Father, that you would take these children that he is trying to kill and that you would raise them up, Lord God, to walk with you in this generation, Lord God. We're asking that you would strengthen the pregnancy support centers, Lord God, so that, so that they would be able to meet the needs of those facing crisis pregnancies. And we're asking that abortion clinics would close because no one's showing up, Lord. And Lord, we pray for those unborn and born 
the young children who are coming up, Lord God. We're asking, Father, we're asking first and foremost that they would be born again by your word. We're asking that you would bring people to share your word to them, whether they're in Sunday schools, whether they're growing up in the church, or whether they are not growing up in the church, that you would raise up laborers for children in this generation to lead them to you, Lord God. We're asking, like newborn babes, that they would long for the pure spiritual milk, that they would hunger for the things of you when there's so many things competing for their attention, Lord. When there's so many things that are crying out to them, saying, desire me, hunger for me. We're asking that you would give them grace, Lord, to see past the distractions and hunger for the things of you, God. We're asking that you would raise up a generation that knows you, Lord God. Lord, your word says that in times of trial that those who know their God will stand firm and take action, and we're praying that for the next generation. That even when there's times of trial, that they would stand firm because they know you. We're asking for a generation of young people who know you, Lord God, that they would walk with you in white, even in an age of total impurity, that they would walk with you in white, that they would walk with you in a purity that's just unimaginable by the people around them, that they would shine all the brighter because of the darkness around them, Lord God. We're asking that you'd give grace to this generation so that that would happen, so that they would stand out in an amazing way because they are pure and everything around them is impure. We're asking God for grace for that. So please do what only you can do, Lord God. Please do with this prayer and with all the prayers that are being said more than we could ask or imagine now for your glory and for your kingdom in the name of Jesus.